You're listening to Comedy Central. January 23rd, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Welcome to The Daily Show. So good seeing you guys for the first time. Wow. I'm Trevor Noah, our guest tonight, Emmy-winning actor and father of Olivia Pope. Joe Morton is here, everybody. <laughs> Keep talking about his new show. Yeah, and hopefully he'll tell us how to remove a president without anyone noticing. <laughs> also on the show tonight, the State of the Union has been canceled. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. And have you ever seen a black cowboy? Well, you will on tonight's show. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. The Supreme Court, after Brett Kavanaugh became the fifth conservative justice, people waited to see how his presence would affect the court's rulings. And now that he's finally sobered up, we're getting some answers. The Supreme Court has decided to allow the Trump administration's partial ban on transgender people in the military to go into effect for now. As appeals continue, the justices voted 5-4 in favor. The U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear a gun case for the first time in nearly a decade. It involves New York City's strict rules for carrying legally owned guns outside the home. The case may give the court's newly bolstered conservative majority a chance to expand Second Amendment rights. Wow. The Supreme Court might legalize guns on the streets of New York? The line for Hamilton just got even more dangerous. <laughs> I'm not giving away my shot. <laughs> And you might be saying, Trevor, the law said that it would allow New Yorkers to carry their guns from one place to another. They wouldn't just be able to whip it out anywhere. Yeah, well, New York law also says you can't just whip out your dick anywhere. <laughs> and we've all seen a dick on the subway. <laughs> okay. So it's a controversial ruling. Oh, and speaking of controversial rulings, this year's Super Bowl is making a lot of headlines uh, for who's not playing in the game. People are pissed that the Saints got screwed over by a really bad call. And now another popular team has been shut out. A marijuana company is speaking out after it's planned to advertise during the Super Bowl. It was turned down by CBS, which will broadcast the big game. The ad from Acreage Holdings promotes the benefits of medical marijuana. A growing number of states are legalizing the drug for both medical and recreational purposes. CBS, the network airing the Super Bowl, rejected the commercial, saying it doesn't currently accept cannabis-related advertising. The NFL also has a strict policy against the drug. Oh, hold up, hold up. CBS says they don't accept cannabis-related advertising? Then how come the Super Bowl has ads for Taco Bell? And... <laughs> and Doritos, huh? And Toyota Camry, huh? Oh, am I the only person who's gotten so high they bought a Toyota Camry? It's just me? <laughs> but I will say, I can see why the NFL has a strict policy against weed. Yeah, it might affect all the steroids and numbing agents they shoot up the players with before the games. In fact, in fact, I have a conspiracy theory. I think the NFL doesn't want to support weed because their success depends on fostering aggression. Yeah. They don't want weed around because then it'll be like, whose house is this? Yeah, man, whose house is this? <laughs> Can you even, like, own a house when life is just a cosmic blink, man? <laughs> you know, in my opinion, now that weed is legal in many places, weed companies should be allowed to advertise it on TV like any other drug. Uh, and just like other drug companies, they should just include a list of the side effects. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, or glaucoma? 
or however you say that, then why not try weed? Weed is a non-invasive motivational inhibitor that distributes chill, chill vibes throughout the body. Side effects of weed may include red eyes, drowsiness, frequent potato chipping, Mario Kart thumb, voluntarily inviting white guys with dreads into your home, thinking you found the meaning of life, dry mouth, and whatever this is. If you've been watching The Big Lebowski for over eight hours, call a doctor. We, be honest, you were probably already using it. That was even funnier if you were high, man. And finally, finally, this is honestly one of my favorites. Uh, here's an adorable story about old people living their best life. Few people, uh, they would list nature's most cuddly creatures as maybe a puppy or maybe a koala bear, right? Alligator, is that on your list? No. This one is registered as an emotional support animal. His name is Wally, four and a half feet long. Do you hug an alligator? Yeah. I don't know. He lives in York, Pennsylvania, and his owner telling the York Daily Record that Wally is remarkably well-tempered and enjoys being petted just like a dog or a cat. Yo, white people are having a good time in America. <laughs> you gonna take an alligator to an assisted living facility? And of course, that alligator enjoys being petted. I'd be happy too if my food came right to me and gave me a massage, like. <laughs> the one thing I will admit though, is this may be a genius idea, because you know how they say the secret to preventing dementia is to do things that stimulate the brain? Well, nothing stimulates the brain like having an alligator around. <laughs> I can tell you now, every single person in this retirement home is gonna be sharp as a tack. Yeah, it's not gonna be like, I don't know where my glasses are. It's gonna be like, where did you leave your glasses, Margaret? She'll be like, in the bathroom where the alligator was. That's where the glasses are. <laughs> People walking like, Gertrude, do you know who this is that's come to visit? Yeah, it's my one-armed granddaughter, the one who was bitten by an alligator. <laughs> People ain't forgetting shit in that place. All right, let's move on to our main story. <laughs> the record-breaking government shutdown is now in its 33rd day. The effects are piling up. Low-income renters are being cut off from housing aid. Welfare payments could run out soon. And the government is so broke that they're selling ad space on the Constitution. <laughs> and now, things seem to be moving in the wrong direction. Because instead of debating the wall or how to end the shutdown, politicians are arguing about a whole new issue, the State of the Union speech. It started when House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told Trump that as long as the government stayed closed, he should cancel the State of the Union. And today, Things really escalated. President Trump just minutes ago sent a letter to the Democratic speaker saying he intends to deliver his State of the Union address to both chambers of Congress next week. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sent a response moments ago to President Trump saying that she will not sign off on the State of the Union address that the president was set to give next Tuesday until the government reopens. And here is how the president just responded to that. The State of the Union speech has been uh, canceled by Nancy Pelosi because she doesn't want to hear the truth. God damn, this is, this is such a weird situation now. Because the rule is the president can only give a speech to Congress if the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, invites him. And she's not inviting him. But at the same time, this is Donald Trump. You can't tell him where he can and can't go. This is the same guy who popped up in the dressing room of the Miss Teen USA pageant. He goes where he wants. Yeah, and what are you gonna do? Tell me something, what are you gonna do if Trump decides to show up, huh? 
have a congressional bouncer stop him? Is that what you're gonna do? He's gonna be like, sorry, Mr. President, you're not on the list. Be like, no, 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 no. I was already in there last year. I just came out for a smoke. Just came, I promise you, I was, you can see my stamp. I just came out. And then the door opens for a second. He's like, Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. She's pretending not to hear me. It's a prank we play on each other. And for a moment, for a moment, it looked like Nancy was going to have to get Hodor to keep Trump out of the house. But this afternoon, in a surprise move, the president surrendered. We're supposed to be doing it, and now Nancy Pelosi, or Nancy, as I call her, she doesn't want to hear the truth, and she doesn't want to hear, more importantly, the American people hear the truth. So uh, we just found out that she's canceled it, and I think that's a great blotch on the incredible country that we all love. It's a great, great, horrible mark. You know, sometimes when President Trump speaks, he sounds like he's choosing the next words on his predictive text. <laughs> you know, like, you know when you try to write a message based only on what your phone suggests? That's how he, that's exactly what he sounds like. He's like, Nancy Pelosi, or as I call her, Nancy. <laughs> is a great blotch on this country and a tremendous mark. <laughs> and by the way, I don't know if Nancy gave Trump a wedgie behind Congress one day, <laughs> but she did something because she's the only person he hasn't given a nickname to. Everyone else is like crying Chuck Schumer, little Marco Rubio, Pocahontas Elizabeth Warren, lying Ted. And he's like, Nancy Pelosi, or as I call her, Nancy. <laughs> and, while, and while they're fighting about where President Trump is going to deliver his speech to the country, by the time this whole thing is done, there may not be a country to deliver it to. Day 33 of the government shutdown. The situation is growing much more dire. 800,000 federal employees still not receiving pay. IRS employees say they expect absences to surge as part of a coordinated protest that could slow or stall taxpayer refunds. Coast Guard families barely getting by without paychecks. TSA is making a plea for 250 volunteer officers who would deploy to airports struggling with the excessive callouts due to the shutdown. FBI agents sound the alarm over the shutdown. They say serious damage is being done. The FBI Agents Association said it cannot pay confidential informants. And so they're losing valuable information about terrorists. All of that is not good news, especially the part about the FBI. Because the FBI can't do their job. They can't pay their snitches anymore. <laughs> yeah, that means that the snitches can't even afford stitches. <laughs> you know, it's a Band-Aid that would leave a scar. You know what would be genius, though? Is if the FBI is saying they can't pay informants or go undercover just to get criminals to drop their guard. Because that would be a brilliant move. They'd be like, oh, we have no money, so we're not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Like, gang members are gonna be like, hey, man, are you a cop or something? It's like, no, man, didn't you hear about the shutdown? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McConnell, man, they offer DACA protections, but it's not enough, man. All right, come on in. This is where we keep the cocaine. <laughs> We're gonna do a drive-by shooting at noon. Don't be late, man. <laughs> and because Trump, because Trump is failing in his negotiations with the Democrats, his new tactic is to get the people on his side. And not with better policies, uh, but with a catchy new slogan. Build a wall and crime will fall. 
This is the new theme for two years until the wall is finished under construction now of the Republican Party. Use it and pray. Build a wall and crime will fall. I don't know what's worse, how dumb the slogan is or the fact that it took Trump three years to come up with it. Like... <laughs> Because now I wonder how many other slogans he rejected before he settled on this one. It's just like, if it's yellow, let it mellow. <laughs> if it's brown, it's a rapist. <laughs> and it turns out Trump isn't stopping with just a rhyming slogan. He's unveiled a new mascot to go around the country and drum up support. Yeah, and that mascot has chosen our show to make his first appearance. So please welcome Bricky the Border Wall! <laughs> wow! Wow, it's Bricky! Kids, President Trump wants to keep America safe, so don't forget, build a wall and crime will fall. <laughs> but, but wait, Bricky, Bricky, what, what crime are you talking about in particular? I mean, we know a border wall won't stop all the drugs. Most of them go through legal ports of entry. Hmm, yeah, well, I guess a wall should just be part of a larger plan for border security, which will pass if the Democrats show maturity. <laughs> but, but... <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but even, even Trump has said that he'd be happy with just a fence at high-priority areas. At this point, isn't the wall just, like, a metaphor? Well, well, look, the wall is really just a metaphor, but if we... But, but if... Oh, no, I can't think of a rhyme for metaphor. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm so screwed. <laughs> Shit! Ah, shit! Whoa, 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 whoa. Yo, yo, Bricky, why, why are you freaking out, man? The, the, the president said if I don't rhyme, I'll be sorry. He'll send the Kool-Aid man to bust right through me. Wait, wait, what? Trump threatened you? You mean like Michael Cohen? P please, please, Trevor, he's crazy. I fear for my life every... Uh, uh, what's a rhyme for crazy? Uh, 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 uh Daisy? Uh, Daisy? What are you, an idiot? Oh, my God! I'm so dead. Uh, I need to hide. Uh, wait, you're black. Can you cover me in graffiti? I'm sorry, what? That is so racist. Oh, oh, surprise, surprise. Trump's wall is racist. <laughs> We got a real genius over oh, here. Screw you, you racist wall. Get out of here. Bricky the border wall, everyone. <laughs> or as I call it, Bricky. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Statistically, statistically, this is still true. One in four African-American men will end up in prison in America. Sometimes it's enough to make young black people give up hope. Sometimes but not always, as Roy Wood Jr. reports from Compton, California. Compton, California has long had a reputation as one of the most dangerous places in America to be a young black person. In fact, Compton's homicide rate is more than four and a half times the national average. But here, there's a group who believes that they have the secret to keeping kids off the streets. Meet the Compton Cowboys. Literally, black people in Compton, on horses, in traffic, wearing sandals with socks. Because that's perfectly normal. The Compton Cowboys began in the 1980s as the Compton Junior Posse, an after-school horseback riding program at a farm in the middle of the city. The founder, Maisha Akbar, described it this way. We were in competition with gangs, so we had to provide the same things that gangs did. Camaraderie, you know, an extended family, a safe haven. Maisha retired in 2017, but many members of the posse are still spreading her message and some fertilizer. All right, so basically your gang, instead of bandanas and gang signs, y'all just leave horse shit everywhere around the neighborhood. That's how we mark our terrain, Stop man. Stop slobbering on me. That's how we leave our mark. 
but you're still a black man riding a half-ton animal through the hood. How are the cops not all up in your horse's butt? You seen Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's how it is with the horse. It's like putting on a cloak. Like, with the gangbangers and the police. Like, so you just become invisible yeah, to, all the, to all the bullshit. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have some of the weed you smoking? Yeah. I love to share, man. Cowboy Little Wayne is right. Even if you're riding with a buzz, it's not like your horse is going to have a broken tail light, and the cops damn sure ain't searching that trunk. But horses don't just protect people on the outside. Turns out, they can heal you on the inside. We're all traumatized, you know, from, you know, seeing the shit that we see, you know, people getting shot around you, people dying, and I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had with people who say, man, my horse saved me. Kiara, the first cowgirl among the Compton Cowboys, was one of those people. My little brother was killed to gang violence um, four years ago. Sometimes when I can't function or articulate my words and just really in a bad mood, and I just go to my horse, it's just that energy is just so peaceful. It's clear that taking care of horses can have a life-changing effect. I needed to fire my therapist and stock up on oats. But what's the first step to creating this beautiful bond between man and horse? The first thing we gotta do is gotta clean the stalls. We gotta clean the poop up. You ready to clean the poop? You open the poop up, make sure they don't got no runs or worms. No this right worms. here is a good one. See how it's nice and solid, you know, running through. I'd rather get jumped by the bloods than touch shit. Let's skip all this turd whispering. Time for this cowboy to saddle up. Yeehaw. Did I say that right? Squeeze with this leg, and you'll go that way. Squeeze like, to the left leg? Take the rein that way, like that. Take your right hand and go that way. OK, I went left. <laughs> That's fine. I wanted to go left. I was so good, they gave me my own travel-sized starter horse. And now that I was an official member, I could give them some branding advice. Y'all need a handshake. CJP. I let you make the noise. Okay, this cowboy shit makes for a nice little hobby. But one Compton cowboy thinks you could also make it a career as a bareback rider. I rodeo professionally. But I mean, that's not like rapping or being an athlete or a comedian. Like, I would be considered a professional athlete. So you professional professional? Yeah. Paycheck. Cable bill. Cash money. Light bill. From you a horse. win, they pay you. You just ride for eight seconds and they judge you on who ride the best. You gotta go bareback and see if you can last eight seconds. I guess you could call it that, yeah. I can't make it eight seconds bareback. Oh, shit. <laughs> In fact, bareback riding is 30 times more dangerous than pro football. But no one gets a helmet, not even the horse. And Trey is one of the top 50 riders worldwide, so I had to see him in action. Then, shit got really real. Oh, snap, no! Oh. Come on, Trey, get up, get up, get up, come on! Hey, 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 watch yourself! But suddenly, he was back on his feet. I had to go thank him for not dying. I got no words for you, man. Yeah. Other than respect, man. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hold on. I'm gonna get hit hard. Going down the road. Oh my god. These Compton Cowboys are some of the bravest, toughest, highest, craziest people I've ever met. But there was still one thing about Mr. Rodeo that I didn't get. You are black and you grew up around danger. Why would you add more danger on top of your danger? The 
It's like a triple cheeseburger of danger. I would much rather get hurt that way and go out and be f***ed up because a bareback horse f***ed me up than get shot out here. CJP, baby. CJP. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I can't give it that right there. You, you can do that. Though. Okay, that's what's up. That's good. That's good. tonight is a legendary actor who earned an Emmy Award for his role on Scandal. He now stars in the new CBS series, God Friended Me. Please welcome Joe Morton. Welcome back to the show. Nice to be back. Thank it's you. It's always great to have you. And uh, this is an interesting change of pace for you. For five seasons on Scandal, you played uh, one of the scariest human beings <laughs> we've ever come across on television, the charismatic and yet conniving Papa Pope. Yes, who ended the series by saying that, uh, telling a group of senators that, in fact, he was running the country. Right. Yes. It was a terrifying, terrifying thought. And now <laughs> you are on a new show, God Friended Me. Yes. Which is a really light, funny show that, that's just about people being good. It's Do interesting. You... I, I purposely sort of wanted to find something that was directly opposite of what I'd been doing on Scandal. And right. So now I play a pastor on God Friended Me. Um, and the show itself is about the connectivity between people right. and the opportunity to help one another, not to hurt right. one another. And, and, and if I understand it correctly, I, I mean, I don't want to give any of the pieces away, but, but, but it's really a story about this guy who gets... Facebook messages from yes, God. That's right. Well, no, not from God. He gets not from God. Not from God. No, he gets Facebook messages from uh, an account on Facebook called God oh. that directs him actually to meet these people, these strangers, and go out and help them. Right. For but, no particular reason. But we reason. don't know who the account is. We and that's part of the, the the show as well. Who is behind the God account? Who is behind the God account? Got to pray and find out. That's what you got to find out. <laughs> but but what, I, what 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 I do love about the story is it's a, it's like a it's it's a feel good story about like people just. I guess being incentivized to do good. It, yes. it, it taps into the innate nature that we, we really do have as human beings yes. to help other people. I mean, uh, throughout, instead of having um, sort of the crime of the week or the victim of the week, we, right, have, right. we have friend suggestions of the week. And, and Miles, uh, who's played by Brandon Hall, goes out and sort of meets these people and finds out what their problem is and then very clearly tries to help them out. What I love is your, your characters always seem to have so many more layers than you would initially think. Because you think, oh, you're playing a priest on the show, so it's gonna be Mr. Perfect, the priest is gonna be saying the nice things and everything's going well. But no, your, your character struggles with getting things right in his own life. A absolutely. His, uh, his son is an atheist and his daughter is gay. So the beginning of the show was, how did that happen? And why right. did that happen? What did I do wrong? And when then you find out his wife died and he kind of retreated into the church and didn't really take care of his kids the way he might have or should have. And that's part of the conflict right. between he and his children. When you play characters like that, do you enjoy finding the nuance and the complications oh, in human beings? Because we, we like to think of people being good or bad. We like to think of being, of seeing a story as like good or bad. Right. And then we find out it's nuanced and a lot of the time our brains short circuit, but you, you seem to enjoy that. I think because, because people aren't just one thing or the other, right? right? I mean, they're, they're, all, all of us have whatever complications in our lives that we carry with us every single day. And so if, if an actor can bring that to the screen or to the stage or whatever, it makes it f far more interesting to figure out who this guy is than to think, oh, he's good and he's bad. Right. When you, um, when you move from one character to the next, 
um, you, you bring, I mean, a, a residual feeling that the audience has about your previous character. <laughs> do you ever carry that piece in you? Is there, like, a piece of you that feels like Papa Poke? No. Do you feel like you could, like... I hope not. You could end... <laughs> but people treat you that way, don't they, in well, some yes, spaces? Well, will, yes, people will come up to me and they'll say, uh, Papa Pope, oh, I mean, can I call you Papa Pope? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, that's fine. But uh, for me, as an actor, what I want to do is find something different. And so this yes. guy is, is very complicated. He, he is the head of his church. He has thousands of, of, of people in his parish that he is trying to take care of. And right. that in itself means that there's an ego involved, right? right. You don't I decide to become the, the, the leader of a congregation without sort of feeling like, you know, I want to be president or right. something Right. You like have that. some sort of purpose yeah. that, that drives you in that direction. Um, the show itself... You have a priest, you have a Facebook account called God, but I don't know if I'm, I'm wrong in saying this, it didn't feel like a religious show. It, it, wasn't, like, it wasn't like Touched by an Angel, which I loved as a kid, right. but I, I thought it would be the same thing, but it's, it's just a show that, that has God in it and then a priest, but it's not a religious show. It's not a religious show at all. I mean, it, it really is, again, about sort of the opportunities we have to help one another. Right. God is in the title um, because the account is called God. Right. As a matter of fact, I think there is a guy on Twitter who calls himself yes, God. Yes, yes, funny. yes. Um, but this account actually sets sets up the show. As I said, we have friend suggestions every right. week, um, and and what you do is you delve into the lives. It's 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 in a way. There was a show years ago called The Millionaire, where this guy would show up and hand a check of a million dollars to somebody, and, was, and the person was told, "You cannot tell where the, can tell anyone where this check came from or what goes right. on." Right. Well, this is sort of that same idea. Only, only Miles shows up and he says, I'm here to help you. And people keep saying, why? Why? What is your investment? And he simply says, because I can. Right. Let me ask you something. If you got a Facebook message from God and the message said, hey, Joe, I need you to go and meet someone and help them, what, what would you do? I think the first, my first response would, I probably wouldn't believe it. I would yes. probably think somebody's, which is what happened to Miles in, right. in our show. But what if, what if the account said, Joe, you're wearing green underwear right now? <laughs> I think then I'd get scared. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this before I let you go. Um, I, I honestly, I really call it an honor because I, I got to see you um, in, in, in a play mm. about Dick Gregory. Yes. And it was, it was such a powerful performance. I've seen you act for years on screen, but seeing you in person was truly one of the highlights of my life. Oh, thank you. What would you say are the biggest differences for yourself and what do you enjoy moving between screen and stage? Well, the stage is, uh, I always say, there's no take two. So when you're out there on the stage and let's say uh, for whatever reason I go up on a line, meaning I forget a line, I have to figure it out on stage. Whereas if I'm, wow. in, if there's a camera, you can say, oh, cut, take two, and, right, right, and you right. move on. The stage has far more challenges to it. Um, you're dealing with a live audience who is watching you. You're dealing with li other live actors. Right. So it's, there's a reality that goes on on the stage that you can't find anyplace else. And you, you've been in the game for a long time. You know, when I was watching the, 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 the play on Dick Gregory's life, one thing I appreciated was the journey he had been on. Mm. You know, the road that he had traveled through America's timeline with black people. And you, you saw change, you saw progress, but at the same time, you saw many of the themes repeated that we experience today. Right. You are one of the few actors who has been in Hollywood for a long time, working at different levels, grinding it out, experiencing success. As a black person in Hollywood, how do you grapple with the, I guess, the conundrum that is progress and yet at the same time still lots of change that needs to be made. I think, you know, it's, uh, we may have talked about this the last time I was here, it's kind of like half steps to the wall. Things will always get better, but you'll never actually reach perfection. Right. Um, and, in, and in this business in particular, for instance, the Oscars are coming out and some people are talking about things like Green Book. And I yes. was reading an article on the way in where Green Book was being compared to, let's say, Driving Miss Daisy. There is a kind of 
uh, need in America to talk about racism in a very surface and, and safe sort of way. Right. Um, uh, the same year, I think, that uh, Driving Miss Daisy came out, uh, uh, Spike Lee did uh, Do the Right Thing. Right. And, and, and there are very two, two very different movies who talk about the same subject. One, I think Do the Right Thing is really talking about the angst and all of the conflicts in a neighborhood like that, whereas Driving Miss Daisy is a very safe way of talking about literally the, the seat, the back seat and the front seat between right, black right, and right, white. Right, right. Uh, and I think what Hollywood is attempting to do is try to tell the truth about racism in this country, but the problem basically is we don't know how to talk about it. We, the people don't know how to talk about it. Um, it's, it's evident in, in, in what's just happened with the Native American man and this kid wearing a red hat. Right. And if it wasn't for, one, the Native American man, I think America has all kinds of guilt about Native Americans. And Rightfully so suddenly, so, right, yeah. so this man is precious and, and something to be uh, honored. And this kid, uh, who's 16 years old, because he's wearing a red hat, we now have, have all kinds of beliefs about who he is and what he's doing that may or may not be true. Right. Um, the same thing is true with black folks, right? So you see a black man walking down the street and suddenly you may think all kinds of things about that man simply because his skin is black. Um, and we never talk about it that way. It's right. always, we always talk about the excuse and not the fix. We always talk about the circumstance uh, and not the guy who is, if, if someone were to call me there is that person that we could say, well, he's vile. But it's the person standing next to him who doesn't say anything and allows that to happen that actually is the most dangerous. Wow. Always great having you on the show. Congratulations. God friended me as Sundays at 8 p.m. on CBS. Joe Morton, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.